The PCI Security Standards Council has just released version 3.2 of its PCI data security standard. And according to Troy Leach, Chief Technology Officer of the Council, updates to the standard being released this time around focus on steps businesses should be taking to mitigate their data breach risks. The focus? To ensure that businesses are protecting payment card data before, during, and after a card transaction is conducted. Here, Leach explains some of the highlights noted in the updated standard and offers recommendations to businesses that need to find a way to shore up defenses in order to ensure compliance. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Troy, this is version 3.2, which comes on the heels of version 3.1, which was published by the Council in April 2015. Why not just come out with version 4.0? Hello, Tracy. I think the reason for the release now is, is twofold. One is we recognize that the PCI DSS standard is pretty mature. It's entering its 10th year in the PCI Council. We recognize that there are just incremental changes that we need at this time. Uh, we also recognize that in the previous version, 3.1, we had an expiration date for use of SSL or early TLS starting in June of 2016. So we had to have a release that was earlier than that date based on the extension we provided in an update in December of last year. As I noted in the introduction, Troy, version 3.2 focuses on steps that businesses should be taking to mitigate the risks that are associated with a data breach. You've noted that a significant change in 3.2 includes a requirement for multi-factor authentication for any personnel with admin access. And this, of course, is going beyond the previous recommendation that only specified the need for multi-factor authentication where remote access is concerned. Why do you think that this is a significant change? For us, looking at the challenges of the recent breaches over the last few years is recognizing that we create these segmentations within a card data network, which is really important to help isolate and focus security on those critical systems that are processing, storing, or transmitting cardholder data. Uh, the challenge we have is sometimes within that environment, if a criminal is able to access into a, a broader trusted network for using other types of services, uh, there's a potential that they will be able to access this with using just one single factor of authentication that they might be able to social engineer and, and steal a password or something of that nature. So what we're looking for is, is across the standard, we've updated from two-factor authentication to multi-factor authentication just to be more appropriate in the terminology itself. But secondly, to your point, uh, looking at the authentication within a trusted environment, but outside of the card data environment, there, there needs to be some accountability for the administrators that can impact credit card or payment card information. So we wanted to make sure that those individuals, the personnel, are authenticating themselves to the network, to the card data environment specifically. So I, I think it's a significant change from an operations perspective, but a necessary change based on uh, recent data breaches that we've heard about. And would some of this need for personnel with admin access also apply to third parties that are accessing the network or that might in some way be connected to a specific business? That's right. So the new requirement does not discriminate whether it's internal personnel or external. It would be any administrator or someone that would have administrative rights 
into a car data environment. They would be responsible for having some form of two-factor authentication in order to access the car data environment. Now, I will say one of the clarifying points that we, we've had to emphasize is third parties that were already uh, remotely um, accessing the network, they already required multi-factor authentication for many versions of the standard. Uh, this is really saying that those individuals that are already within the network uh, but outside of the car data environment, uh, they have to authenticate by two forms of fact, uh, two or more forms of factors of authentication. So, Troy, other points noted in the update include, as you've already mentioned, revised um, updates for or revised sunset dates for SSL and TLS, and then additional security validation steps for service providers. Quickly, weren't revised SSL and TLS sunset dates already announced? Yeah, so the dates that we announced previously in version 3.1 of the standard, we said that um, organizations need to migrate away from uh, SSL, uh, which has been out for 20 years, or early TLS by June of, of 2016. So starting July of 2016, they should be away from that technology, that protocol. We've changed that based on feedback, talking with your constituents and, and many different uh, stakeholders across the industry, recognizing that some of the technology to change is very simple, but the business process to evolve uh, just could not happen as quickly as we'd like. So we made an adjustment to our requirements. We made an announcement in, in December of 2015 that we are extending the date for moving completely away from SSL and early TLS to June of 2018. And in that interim time, people will just have to demonstrate that they have a migration plan in place, that they are moving away from an insecure protocol, and that they are taking the responsible steps to have uh, compensating controls and, and monitoring the potential risk of their environments in the interim between now and, and June of 2018. And then what are some of the additional validation steps for service providers that are now noted in the updated standard? Or for service providers, this update of 3.2 will be a more significant change than other entities. For service providers identified in the standard as such, they have a responsibility to do five new requirements. And all five new requirements are going to be future dated until February 1st of 2018. And that's important. So we give organizations like service providers several uh, business cycles to budget, plan, prepare, and implement these types of changes. But the five changes are first to detect and respond to critical failures in a very formal way and prompt way. The second is conducting regular penetration tests on segmentation controls. So if a service provider is saying that they have isolated the card data environment, we require all organizations to test that every year or after significant changes to the environment. We're asking service providers to demonstrate that twice a year, every six months, so they're having more frequency of penetration testing against that segmentation. The third is performing at least quarterly reviews of the personnel uh, that are involved in making sure that they're adhering to security policies and procedures, making sure that there's just evidence in place that there's not a degradation and slowly moving away from the expectations around process and controls that the PCI standard uh, lays out. The other is to establish responsibility for protecting the car data environment through an executive management level process, so a top-down from the C-level 
uh, priority. If you're a service provider and your business is central to protecting your customers' cardholder data, then at the executive level there has to be in trust and empowerment to uh, actually go forward and, and be aware of PCI compliance status, be aware of your organization's responsibility to protect others' cardholder information. And then finally, more uh, documentation and evidence that uh, service providers are managing and, and aware of the type of cryptography they're using for encryption and documenting that architecture. Those are the five big changes that, again, will all be best practices and enforced in uh, January 30th, uh, 2018 will be the uh, official date that they will uh, change from a best practice to an actual requirement. And then, Troy, before we close, are there any additional thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience about the updates to the standard or other areas of compliance that seem to be of concern to the industry? Uh, sure. Thank you, Tracy, for that opportunity. I think first and, and foremost, looking at the, the five new requirements for service providers, these are really good security hygiene for the entire industry. And I would encourage organizations, even if they're not obligated to incorporate those types of changes, that they look at that. In addition, a uh, change for the DSS standard was that we did include an addendum called the Designated Entity Supporting Validation. It was a set of requirements that we published previously and now have incorporated as an uh, appendix. It is no longer, is not required to be adhered to by all entities that are going to complete a PCI DSS compliance report. However, there's a lot of good practices to help create a culture and, and help reinforce that PCI controls are a process and a process that is intended to be adhered to throughout the year so that security not only is consistently part of the organization, it grows organically as the systems evolve, but also that there is a minimization of the compliance effort that, that if you continue to do these checks throughout the year, going through and doing an annual report on compliance becomes a much more manageable process, not only for the auditor inside the organization to perform, but just throughout the organization it becomes not only a cost savings, but you have additional assurance that all these processes you invested in continue to be in place to protect the organization. Well, Troy, as always, I appreciate your time today, and thank you for walking us through some of the changes that can be expected in this updated standard. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Troy Leach of the PCI Security Standards Council. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.